Welcome. Hello, my friends. Ah, <laughs> uh, there he is. Uh, Rokas, are you are you recording? Yes, I have been recording, and there is a part that I'll add to the podcast from. Oh, you guys started. Yes, yes. We've, yes hey, yes. we've already, we've already, we're, we know <laughs> each other better than you would ever <laughs> expect, Raj. We've been, we've been chatting. It's been great. You know, I'm sorry for interrupting. I'll talk to you guys later. Tell me how it goes. <laughs> Oh, this is awesome, man! It's good. To, it's good to see both of you. But Rajman, it's it's fantastic once again to uh, to actually sit down and see you, man. Like it's been it's been forever, dude. You look great, of, of course. Um, thanks for having me on. I already told Rokas, I was like, dude, thank you, thank you so much for having me on this show, dude. You guys, I've listened to a couple of uh, um, your casts in the past, and you guys really do a good job. It's it, it's phenomenal. Well, thank you, thank you. It means a lot coming from you. Um, I mean, where do we start? Like, you know, does it, do we interrupt your flow if we, if we say, if we start from the beginning? No, I didn't go anything too much in depth, so we could start from the beginning, yes. All right. So, well, John, thank you for coming on. Um, this is definitely part one of part 100. <laughs> there's, there's two <laughs> to cover. Um, you and I know each other from when we were younger. Uh, when we were dumb, <laughs> we went. Hey, we went over that too, man. God, how naive and how like. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> That's funny. Naive that is a good word. Um, we made it through. Like we made it through our own pit of despairs, our successes. We come back to the village as the hero. You know, mythologically, as the mythological hero trying to save the villagers and. Um, that's kind of what this show is about, right? It's about uh, when, you know, when and how you became, you went from monster to hero. What does that process look like? And how can we help people? How can we help facilitate that for other people? Because it's the process of, of life. It's the process of maturation. It's rarely articulated. So if we can articulate it and express it in, in clear terms, maybe, Maybe we can save one person, right? And, 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 or maybe we can help catalyze that journey for someone else so that they do embrace the suck and they, they do go for what's hard and they know it means something. And that's your profession. It's my profession. Um, I mean, Rokas, this is a great experience for him because he's on that path as a young man in the making. We're old. <laughs> <laughs> old, hey, old is a mindset, right? You know that we're not old. Come on, <laughs> so we can we can talk about this um, as going ha, having gone through that fire, and and it's not that we don't go through fire anymore, but we see the fire and we know how much of our hand to put in before we pull back before it burns us, right? Young people, they they put their whole body in to be burned alive, um, and and gotta kind of say, hang on take that fire in stages. Um, so that's what we're here to talk about. And, and we don't have enough time, but we're gonna start that process. Um, so what does that mean for you? And, and what does that, everyone knows what it looks like for me. What, what, is, what, what did that look like for you? And what is that, how do you reconcile that with what's going on right now? Well, be honest, Raj, the way you structured that, that actual <laughs> question, Open up Pandora's box to to a probably a year worth of commentary. 
there's no direct way to answer that question. And you know no, that. That's why you said it that way. That's why you sent me that stupid gif last night. That was <laughs> No, that's that that's fantastic. Um God, where do I start? Uh there's no there's no way to actually know where to begin. If, I like if that, that makes sense. My my actual experience, I didn't even realize was happening when it was happening, to be honest with you. I mean we, and we kind of talked about that one time on the phone when I was in the car. Um I was going through things that would that would shape my future that I had no idea I was even learning from at the time. You know, like I just told Ruckus, I was like, "Hey, my my actual story, my life should be trial and error." You know what I mean? Because I went I went through so many things before I became self aware that that I had to go back and look onto those experiences and say, "Oh my God! Like this is where I learned this lesson." and I did actually progress from that point. You know, I did actually attack a new direction when I didn't even know I was doing it. So to, to answer the overall start of that question, I, I think when you, when you say the, when we get to a young age, when we are able to insert our bodies into that fire of experience, right? Kind of the way you phrased it. That's the I can t I can tell you go go back and and think if I would have brought this up to you when when you were in eighth grade, say I say for some reason I had a an epiphany and I said, Joe, hey man, this is what I think you know and now here we are and you're you're Raj and you've you have um, just turned into this you know you've you, god you're you're this this person that i that is so much it's so much the same but so much different from back then and i think you would agree with me that i'm the same but without the experience that that each of us went through there was there was nothing else that could have changed that that we would have said back then other than bits and pieces of the near future does that make sense? It makes sense. And, I'm, and as you say that, I'm thinking about your work as someone who is, is looking at the person before they've touched the fire, you know, before they have the battle scars or right when they're getting scarred up. And you're like, you're like, I'm trying to save you. I, you. You know that, right? And they don't really know that. Maybe they know it a little bit. But it's, it's like we're, we're trying to facilitate that process. And for us on the side of it, it's we, we look at life differently, even though we're looking at the same life. And yep. that, that's where that's where expertise and patience is required, because you have to look at the individual and this and that. But um, let me let me help the listener. Let me say uh, let me say um, let's go backwards a little bit. You're John Eli. Um, we both graduated from the same high school. And at that moment, that's where our histories change. What, where was that for you? For me, it was kind of, it, it was almost like a plotted timeline that it seemed like for me, it was, it was, it was a future that, that seemed inevitable um, because of the path that, it wasn't structured for me already, but it was, it was something that I knew I was on and I had no idea 
how volatile it was actually going to be when I when I stepped into it because everything was so it, it was so obvious to me like at the time it was obvious to me right oh, I'm going to go to college uh, I want to go to a decent college I'm supposed to go to a decent college but I'm playing baseball and so many people told me hey you know uh, the one thing that I was told coming out of high school by a scout was that a hey, lightning is going to have to strike you in order for you not to play professional baseball. It's a very dangerous thing to tell an 18 year old, wow. um, especially somebody that has never, I mean, I struggled a little in, in high school, but when, when we talk about struggle, like, did I really actually struggle when I was there? You know, I was, I had good grades because I was, I was gifted a, a, a solid mind. You know, I didn't, I understand my comprehension ability was, was above where I thought it was. Right. So everything else, I didn't have any distractions because I knew I was supposed to be doing this and, and my parents were good parents, you know, and uh, my friends were good friends. Well, and I say that you got some, you know, you had some serious talent. What, I mean, are we in miles per hour, was that above average, right? Well above average. Yeah. I mean, not, not, I'm not, look, I sound arrogant when I say that. So, I, and I, and I, no. Sound arrogant, but I, yeah, so I was clearly, I was, it was clearly a, a talent that was, it was, it was something that needed to be paid attention to. I, I was throwing 95 miles an hour in, in high school and that happened to be the peak of what my actual ability was. But then, you know, later, later on, I figured out how to, how to actually, you know, master that skill. I had no mastery over that skill which if I had, I'd gone into professional baseball at the time, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation because I would have been, I would have been flushed out the bottom of that league in a hurry because I was not mature enough. And I didn't realize it at the time. So going to college was the best thing for me because I learned humility immediately. And I, I had this conversation with, I, I talked to the uh, athletic director at Miami of Ohio today about a few things. We keep, we keep, I keep in touch with as many people as I can because it's, you know, it pays dividends later on. Um, but we, we both talked about how the level I got to. And he, he was saying, you know, I, I was telling him, I was like, oh, I, I, the best thing that I offer my students now is, is perspective because I've succeeded and failed at every level from, from uh, independent baseball all the way up to the major leagues. Well, I, he's, he's, he tried to make a joke. He's like, look, I, I, I've mostly had failure throughout my career. I was like, well, then you must be the best teacher ever because the best <laughs> teacher I ever had was failure. You know? Yes. So, exactly. Right. So, I mean, once you get to a, to a point where you have some humility in your life, everything turns a corner because you realize, Hey, I better ever get my shit together. If that makes sense. Right. And that luckily that happened in college for me. Um, so that at the time was the best, best thing that could have happened. So going in, I saw the chip on my shoulder, like, you know, I always had, uh, but you learn how to, how to understand yourself a little bit better, even if you don't realize that that's what you're doing. It, did you, when, so we're talking about college, but I remember Chicago White Sox. So when was college? So college was 04 to 07. I got, I got drafted, uh, after my junior year out of college, because I, I kind of took off, after, you know, after my freshman year and uh, did some some pretty some some pretty special stuff and got some recognition. Um, got drafted at a, at a pretty high level to the Chicago White Sox, where 
uh, became a higher prospect and just kind of lived off of grit and ability for a little while until finally I got traded and hit a point where I ran into some real competition, right? And then, yeah, of course, heart and everything else. I mean, you want, you want to talk, there, there's obviously an aspect of that. God, we can go off on that tangent for two days, but, um, you know, you can you can only live off your personality for so long until you start to learn, okay, I have to find out what actually works does that is does that make sense i'm sorry yeah. i hope i'm putting the right way you can't ride off certain things because in the end of the day you don't matter to anyone <laughs> oh god you could that is once again you amaze me man because you couldn't have hit the nail on the head any more than you just did you know who cares about you your mama that's it <laughs> exactly yeah and maybe maybe a handful of your friends because the guys that are there are there because you offer them something and the second that you don't you know what you're going to be is swept under the goddamn rug dude yeah. i'm telling you it's it, and it happens in a hurry too you think you think you're on the top of the mountain well guess what man that mountain has a steep slope <laughs> and it's so not you realize that as you were going into the white Sox, or were you already at, you know with these majors guys and what was that like uh going from college to being around a bunch of like seasoned ball players it's a strange transition especially for somebody like me who I've, i lived in the midwest my whole life all of a sudden you're immersed in culture um you you went through this we talked about this man like you you went from you know, a, a guy that was, I don't know, did you ever really leave the Chicagoland area? Because I, I went to Ohio and that, and that was about it other than playing oh. ball. I think you have, you have kids, you know, I've learned that, that you have people as families, they travel and do all these things. We went to Florida, you know, and other than Chicago and, and a few vacations, you know, I didn't know, gosh, I didn't know any. You know, when I went to the monastery and people started to tell me about, like, teach me about the galaxy and, and, and world history and the way things were and they are now. And it was like, you know, I was like, just learning about these basic things that, that smart kids normally pick up on and use. So, you know, I was in this small bubble and the shattering of that bubble was the most painful part of me growing up and realizing that I wasn't the bubble. That's the most frightening part, to be honest with you. And, and yeah. lightning, frightening, initially frightening. It's all, like, here you are. And God, the storylines are so diverse. Like everything is so much different than than you actually could expect they would be now you're like oh god like i i either have to double down on what i think i know which is extremely ignorant or i can you know break down my own walls and start to learn about just human beings in general like and if you don't do that like i i've God, I've, I've pity on the, on the people that can't, aren't able to do that because, but eventually, you know, you hit a, you hit a wall and you have to, or you become somebody that is probably not what you want to be. Right. That's uh, the thing. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. 
Yes. And from your perspective, right, because you've gone through it, you're like, ha, you got to do it or else yeah. why are you alive? <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, man. I mean, self it stemmed from self-preservation. Like, you're like, if I don't learn about these people, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be an outcast. And, and everybody seems to be getting along. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't fully understand how everybody sees eye to eye because there's, there's not only language barrier barriers, there's a, there's a gap of actual knowledge at some point. And there's a perceived gap of knowledge that it actually is, not what a lot of people believe it is because they're jaded by where they came from. Right. So for example, does that, if that may, that sentence makes sense, I know, I, I know it probably does, but to, to break it down, there is always a entitled sense of elevated wisdom when you believe that you have the, the correct perspective. So let's say I walk into a group that has a Venezuelan, a Dominican, a um, a Puerto Rican, a somebody from Japan, and then it's us, right? So the fact of the matter is that whether your education level is at a certain point or not, those first four to five people have been dealing with a, a lot more culture over the course of their lifetime than we have because we didn't ever have to. You know what I mean? Like we never, like that reverts back to what we were talking about with the bubble that gets popped. So initially you think, well, this guy can't speak English. He must be stupid, which you know how many times I've heard that? And you know how ridiculous that sounds to me now? These guys are bilingual, trilingual sometimes, and they have culture from their their, um, you know, their upbringing, plus they've been in, in separate countries where they've had to adapt far longer than you have. So you mean to tell me that you, but, but the thing, these, these guys probably are looking at you like, this guy's an idiot, this guy's a moron. But you actually, in your mind, think that you are above them because they don't understand you when they probably understand you better than you understand yourself. So that's what I that's what I found and realized. Thank God I realized it a little bit earlier. And I think you could you could you understand that as well? Where once you get over the perception of, of what you think you know and start actually learning what other people have gone through and what they see, try to see eye to eye with them, then oh, you yeah. become so much more enlightened. Well, because, well, 100%, because we, we're looking at life, um, and, and when we're ignorant, we're not self-aware, we're, we're full of ego, right? Ego is in control. We're looking at other people, and if they're not like us, because we're superior, right, in that, in that ego sense, um, if, we don't, if we see that they don't imitate us, right, they don't speak our language, then they are lower, right? So it's that, I remember when, mine specifically started to get broken down my senior was talking about this um this uh 20 he, we're on top of a building that cost 20 million dollars and the monks coordinated constructed it fundraised it we're sitting on top of it and then my senior is the guy who was there from day one and coordinated the entire thing like an orchestra and he's talking about the next phase of it and i and so dumb and ignorant, I go up there and I start call, like trying to call the shots. 
And he, he looks at me and he's like, do you think I'm stupid? And, and no one had ever said that to me before. And it was like trying to tame, they, they used to call me a wild horse because no one could train me. So they took me to this horse trainer. And, and he, he in, the, in his piercing voice and with his eyes, all of a sudden I can feel like myself disintegrating. And I'm like, good God. I must look like an absolute idiot right now. And everyone else on the team is quiet. And they're just like, they, they know that that's the moment for me. And, and, and this happens over about two to four years. It changes to different degrees. But that was the beginning of seeing my own stupidity and ignorance. And God bless him, that man, for 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 reaching down inside and, and grabbing who I really was for a moment, even if I slithered away and returned immediately back, you know, that those people constantly reach in. Those people are constantly reaching in and looking for you. And thank God that they have persistence and endurance in, in, you know, to endure our own um, ability to fight back because mm -hmm. those people save us. And, you know, those are the role models. Those are the mentors. And now I think if you walked into that same room, right, you, you can see, see, when you get to a certain point of what you're talking about, you look at someone and you can see all of the stuff. You can see their history a little bit. You can see everything they know and everything they don't know and everything you don't know that they know. And all of it kind of comes out at once and we have humility. So we are open. And all of a sudden, if, if one open person meets someone who has, has, a, has stuff to them, they start giving you their stuff. And it's like you're breathing in like oxygen and you're like, yes, yes. And, the, <laughs> and I know seriously, like, I, God, I can't believe like this mirrors exactly my total overall. Like, I, I, there was a point where I was doing the exact same thing that you're describing right now, and and it, once I realized it, I was like, oh my God, yeah, my like, it, it just it was like a drug almost, man. It was like, yeah. <laughs> it was like, I I can't believe how much more I'm learning without ever actually having to be told to study something just because my perspective of what the conversation, where what's happening around me and, and my actual surroundings and what I'm observing changed drastically. Right. So now like, you know, I guess social interactions are a complete, they're so different now, you know, that, that it's, it, I have fun with it. Like, and I, I know you, I can tell you, your, your, um, your mental maturation mirrors mine almost, to be honest with you. It's freaking incredible. Every time we talk, it seems like, God, I remember like you're, 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 you sound like the voice in my head, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you're a little smarter than me, but that's fine. What's funny is that the, the, well, not funny, but what's, what's insane about it is that number one, the number one, thing like the channel for you to pick up information from other people is just to listen most of the time mm -hmm. yep. when you're at that point you see someone of value and you're like 
you're just quiet for a second. <laughs> and you're like basically saying like, what do you know? Because I know you know something and now I want to know. Bring it to me. So if we could have, um, I mean, that's what we want our students, our clients, our patients. In the, in, that's the, what the professional wants is that person to, to, to listen for a second and hopefully pick up on something. And okay, we got to jump back again though. You're, all right, so you're in this world around different cultures. You're, you're becoming, you're becoming a, you're becoming a major league pitcher. And what's it like when, you know, cause I've been in this position before in a, in a, in a different field, but you're the young guy you're, but now you're starting and now you may have a different rank than older guys. What's that like? Oh man. That hits on a few memories where it was like, God bless. So I can remember the, the day that I got the call saying, Hey, you're going to the major leagues. And I was 23 years old in AAA. And at the time, like now, nowadays, that's not so, you know, it's not, it's not so different from what happens. Guys get pushed a little bit, but I was at the tail end of a, of a culture in a sport where you had to earn every step that you went through. And I was a little bit fast tracked. Right. So I was on a, a team with, with guys that were much older than me um, that were all kind of in line ahead of me. And I had just been traded. So I didn't really know anybody. Uh, so, so I'm going to, I'm in a position where I have several people that already had a reserved idea of, of, Hey, screw this guy. And you could feel it. You know, how sometimes you walk into a room, you feel the energy in the room and, and, and it's, ah, okay, well, I gotta, I really gotta watch what I do here because there's some animosity that's being unspoken. Well, it happened and there's, there's six year free agent. If you don't know a six year free agent is the guy that's been floating around the minor leagues for a while. He's probably good enough, but he, he's on reserve because they don't, the club he's with or the club that has just acquired him does not see him as a main piece, but they see him as good enough to be there as depth. So now you're in triple a four a guys, they call them, right? So you're good enough to be a big leaguer, but you aren't actually a guy that they want to be a big part of the team. So there's these guys and now all of a sudden I'm a prospect, right? And I pass these guys in two weeks, two weeks after I get traded. And once the season starts, because I was throwing really well and the stars aligned a little bit, there was an injury to the, their main guy and the rotation worked out where somebody got hurt and they're looking down and was like, well, this is, this is our guy. So that jump was difficult because I felt that the overall consensus was I didn't deserve it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. So, make sense. Yeah. So dealing, dealing with, I, I, I forget exactly to be honest with you, how I handled it because I was just kind of trying not to piss anybody off at the time. So I, I remember walking out of the room elated, you know, <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, I'm, I just, I'm fulfilling my, my lifelong dream at the age of 23. I just got to call my, my dad and tell him I'm going to the major leagues. I'm pitching against the Mets, you know, like I'm going to New York to pitch against the Mets and Oh God. All right. Well, I'm walking through the lobby and there's eyes on me. I'm in a suit. I'm headed to the airport. Uh, 
and I turn around, I remember saying, all right, well, hey guys, it's just, you know, spot start. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. And I think the thing that helped me the most is the most, um, uh, I guess, veteran player on the team was a catcher. He goes, hey man, shut the hell up, dude. You belong there. And then I didn't come down for a while because it was, I did that rung in my ears. Right. So I'm like, yeah. why am I, why am I so worried about what these guys are, are, are worried about? And then once I got to a certain age, I'm like, Oh my God, like the perspective of it changed so much because you, be, you almost become that guy. And you're like, why, why would I ever be bitter about this? This guy's career is, is just as important as mine. It, it's just the way you perceive yourself. Right. So <laughs> why not help? And yeah. I think that's why I'm a coach, you know, but yeah. that was tough. And yeah, I'm amazed that you hit on that because I, that, God, that was such an educated way to put it. Cause yeah, that, that is such a, an overwhelmingly difficult thing to deal with because you're already fighting the game and the intricacies of, of what you've learned and, and trying to trust them. And at that age, you don't, you're not sure it, that goes with anything. Like trying to trust what you, what you do is good or good enough to be at the highest level at that point is very difficult, let alone trying to fight the social battles and the internal battles and, and, and the, how am I supposed to act? How are you supposed to fight the people around you? The mentality of, am I good enough trusting what you're doing? And then all of a sudden a hitter steps in the box and you got to fight him too. That's why people fail at, at, at the highest level in anything. You know, it's because they're focused on way too many things. And I, yeah, God, Raj, that was, that was a perfect way to, to phrase that question because that was difficult, you know. One of, one of my greatest um, conversations I had was with um, Dr. Rudolph Tanzi in L.A. And, and this guy is uh, head of a Harvard Medical Division that is on the cusp of curing Alzheimer's. Uh, his, he's got his lab is the same lab that figured out uh, football gives you concussions that you cannot detect. So um, I, he, he goes on, he, well, he used to go on to stages of, of thousands of people and, and talk about this uh, state of the art type of medical research that's going on. And I, and I'm sitting there having lunch with him with another monk. And he, I'm like, you know, what is, what is your, do you have a tipping point? Do you get nervous or what, what goes on in your mind right before you step on stage and how do you do this? Um, knowing what you know, but knowing what's coming against you. And he said, I tell myself that I love the audience and that I want to help them. And that maybe something I know could help us. Right. And so I used to tell guys after that, I came up with this little slogan that said, my win is your win is our win. And it gives, it gives guys a, a, a different perspective that we're not competing. We're actually rising up together. That's the ideal, right? So we're scared, we have social anxiety, we're, we fear things and we look at rank and hierarchy because it's a perspective of I'm winning and that means someone else is losing. But if we can compete on a, on a level where no one else loses, if, if we all win with my win, then I don't, have to, I don't have to fear it. I can actually embrace it. 
And if, if my win is your win, and if your win is mine, and we're all winning together, well then, I'm embracing your skill. I'm, I'm embracing a weakness if I have a strength, and we work together, and if we can fill in the gaps, then, you know, it's cliche, but then it's not just individual at that point, right? You, you just perfectly worded the overall goal of what we try to achieve as, as, as coaches and as life coaches for you. And as, as um, well, man, I consider myself in the same ballpark, but yeah. you know, if, if, if you were able to bottle that up and, and insert it in, into somebody's head at an early age, are that the worth of that exact like knowledge and that exact topic and, and mindset would be worth, it'd be priceless. Right. There's not a price on that because that's that's it. Right, you're right. And yeah, that's that's perfect. That was and perfect. It's not just it's not just sports, right? Somehow it it translates to everything. It and if if I'm in a career and 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 I can bring people up with me, then we all succeed. If I'm in the military and I can I can be stronger in this area and and I'm weaker here, so you're stronger here, then we actually act as a cohesive unit. Um, it, it, in a family unit, right? It's, it's the power of, um, it's the power of understanding the law and dynamics of like being a human. If we, we're not a human by ourselves in this world. If we were, it would be very different and we would yeah, not. But would, you agree, but would you agree that 90% that of what is forced down your throat at this threshold in, in our youth's upbringing is is made to believe that it is the opposite oh yeah i mean we've talked about in the past and so they i mean well but that's a that's a different day and a longer conversation we, we can dive into that later but but yeah that's i guess there you find the the interface of of okay how do you allow somebody that knowledge without telling them they need to learn it? That's coaching, right? Like, because you can't tell somebody when <laughs> I, I, I keep diving into this, like, okay, I'm, I'm talking to somebody at, at, at a certain age where they're incapable of, of, of understanding the overall message because they don't get it yet. Right. They're they're They don't, they don't, they don't know that this what what it actually is going to mean later on in their life. So, how do you alter that path based off of the bombardment of you know uh, you know external stimulus that is currently pretty you know it's, it's pretty um, ingrained by a certain point in your life that, <laughs> that what we just talked about is the opposite of what we want to teach. So I, let's see, when I went in, I legitimately, I think, scared several people. <laughs> I, like Joe Lufker, um, wouldn't talk. Oh man, what a name. How, have you talked to him? He, he reached out to me when I got out and he said he was very proud of me. He had, he had become a father. Um, he kind of grown up and, and he was pumped and, and that's pretty much it. it, it there's, 
we went such different ways, you know, and then, you know, I guess with, you know, he, he went down, down a really dark path with Stefan dying and everything. So. Yeah. That was tough on a lot of people, man. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. We don't have to talk about that right now, but it, it was, uh, it was very, very unique dynamic in a, at a really early age for so many people, you know, I think back on it. I don't even. I still know how to feel about it. Death. Death is a is a is an important reminder for us all. And I don't know if you're familiar with the. I think it's Latin. The term memento mori. It's, uh, so, in uh, Greek and Roman times, in order for soldiers and generals, especially, to keep their humility they would come home from a, if it was a successful battle, they would come home and they would be paraded on a palanquin or they would be on a carriage and horses would be taking them. And it's just like the movies, right? There would be crowds of people at the, the city center and they would be cheering on this general as if he was a god. And there would be someone hired to stand behind, behind him, almost like... Um, like a lowly civilian, like an untouchable, you would call it in India. And he would be whispering memento mori um, behind him, kind of into his ear. And it was to keep him humble because memento mori means remember death. And that one day you will die just like everyone else. <laughs> so, you know, death is very close to my heart because a monk is comfortable with death and a samurai a successful samurai lives as though he died already and he is that's really deep <laughs> he has faced it he has faced it within himself and he's no longer um he no longer has anything to fear um except for keeping that honor and the monks you know, and the, the monk order that I was in, the there was a death ritual after um, graduating, basically on the 12th to the 15th year, and taking that final step into the highest rank there, um, you have a death ceremony, you burn all of your things, you know, your robes and things like that, and then you get new robes, you grow a beard, and you, you live from that, that new... Um, from a, you get a new name again. Um, and, you know, I, I left right before that stage. And uh, because I decided that I wasn't ready to live as though I was already dead. I wasn't, I wasn't ready to um, give up this person that I found out that I was. And, you know, it's funny because that's what, so the way to reconcile this Another way to answer the question I initially asked was, we have people get close to death somehow. We have them lose who they are and who they, who they think they are so that they're reborn. And the person that's born can look back on everything and say, okay, I understand now who I am. I understand what life is all about. But, but how do we do that is a, is a question I've, I've asked myself ever since I, I went through that process myself. It's, it's, it, 
for me, it was in a controlled environment and it was done over the course of, of 12 years. And I, I want to write that down and make a note of it and talk about that more later because that I think is, it's really interesting to me, but I, there's, there's also another direction you take it because of, is, is there, or are there different ways of, I guess, perspective on the exact same idea without, I'm trying to think of a way to word this. You're, you're, you're better at this than I am. The acceptance of that idea happens at different, like, I, I, I'm not there, dude. I, I, and I want to, I want to talk to you about what that transition, what that mindset. Like, and, are there other ways to die? Right, exactly. And, and that thought is so, there's so, so much stemming, like there's so many branches to that conversation, right? So let's, let's, let's do that conversation at a different time. But um, also but what struck me when you said, okay, when you're, you're reborn and, and, you, and, you, and you become a different entity of yourself, right? Is that, is that the right way to, to express that? It's, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Not every, I, don't, I don't believe that everybody sees it that way, but they're all coming to the same realization, correct? So you, you are kind of, I, I don't, yeah, I, I have, I have no idea. I, I can't even, I can't even put that perspective into it because I don't, I don't know. And I don't want to speak on something that I, I don't have enough knowledge on, but I watch people within my family progress to a point where they're, and it is, this is a sensitive subject because it is what it is. Are they, they, you can witness them becoming ready to make that transition. Right. And I don't think that in their mind they are thinking, okay, be, I've become a different, I, I'm in a different phase. They just realize that they're ready for whatever the next step is because it, it's just, it's just whatever is here is not what I need. And like, I, I've done what I need to do. And, and the things that I've lost make me think that there, I, I'm, I'm prepared for whatever's next, but it, I don't know if it, does it strike everyone the same way? Like, do they see it that way? Obviously you don't, God, I can't believe you, we're at a, you're at a point in your life where I, I, I only dreamed to have be that enlightened in, in that aspect. Cause I haven't even thought about it yet. You know, like, well, yeah, I mean, you, it's important that that's why, you know, it's a tough position to be in a philosopher role because every day, you have to think about stuff, all right? So I've, I've come up with an answer for your, for your query. And that is, and it also answers other questions about our profession. So the way we go about it is different. We all go about the same thing in the same process. Mythology or history has enca encapsulated what that process is in the myriad forms inside stories and tales. So what we have to do as teachers is we have to read and give those reading materials, those books, those stories to our students, to our clients, to patients. People need to read about death, about struggles and hardship so that they can bounce ideas off their life to other lives and give, get different perspectives on how people live. It's the way to recreate that transformation that we went through 
experiencing other cultures, experiencing friends dying and family members going away. The way to recreate that safely is through stories, and tales, and lores and mythology. And those are, those, are, uh, the, those are captured in books. And it's usually autobiography and biography. Um, sometimes it's fiction, but it has to be very good fiction. And uh, I, I think that if, if, the, if the, the person is open to reading and, and shutting out the world for a period of the day, every day, and diving into that story, I think we can open up people's minds without them going through these massive pits of despair where they can't get out. But can we save them altogether? No. But we need to make sure that they make it out alive at some point. And we can't guarantee it, but we can offer that story. And, and from there, we have to distance ourselves. <laughs> that was really good, man. Um, yeah, I love, I love that part. Um, perfect. You, yeah, you just answered. And my mind could also say that I guess, I guess the, the, the form of uh, the delivery of, the, of the, that information is constantly has to evolve too because of the landscape of, of, of what people see <laughs> you know I, I, yeah. but, Our yeah, but reality is changing so stories yeah. that while stories remain the same the way they're delivered changes mm. so we have yeah. to say, we have to look at it by a case by case how does this person learn um you know for for me i learned through mistakes i learned through failure i learned through hardship i had to be psychologically burned alive in order to understand that i was wrong mm -hmm. um, for other people, if they can learn through imitation, they need a role model. If, they, if, they, if that's through media, they need to see them on screen. If that's through word, they need to read their story. If it's through mentorship, right? They learn one-on-one -on -one with someone. Mm -hmm. um, we have to have all these tools available to us so that we can reach every kind of person. Now, the tough part, is when we're surrounded by a student or a client or a friend in our life, we're, you're right, that they don't have a method yet, except their life keeps getting worse. And we can see that. And we know that this is the moment. But how do we tell someone when they're losing everything and everyone is distancing themselves that this is the moment that life is throwing you a ladder to climb up, except you got to do it by yourself until you get to this, this certain level. And then my hands right here. So, you know, it's difficult, but it means sometimes, you know, turning away and, and mythologically it's the, it's called the dark night. And it's, it's when there is no light, there is no clear way out. And we're there for someone, but we don't step towards them. We don't look at them, you know, metaphorically. We, if we step in at that point, we may ruin the entire thing. It's kind of a definition of faith, wouldn't you say? Like, uh, the, you know, I mean, there's, I guess, uh, different different points in your life where that's instilled as a, as an actual 
gosh, is this is something you actually start to lean on. But at some point, whatever your personal definition of faith is, that's kind of it's kind of what you're saying. Is is it not? Or, or um, to a certain extent, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I went off too far. No, no, it's faith. Absolutely, it's it's faith, and then experience. Sometimes it's experience and then faith. So, given the two, um, we have to juggle. We have to balance it, and. I think maybe karmically, if you're not a faith person, you'll get hit with experience. If if you if you have faith, there'll be there'll be less burden at first and more more faith, and then you get hit and then you're tested, because you have to have this this dual nature because we have people that we know don't have faith. They're just getting hit again and again and again. And their, their will to survive must prevail. But then we have the people that kind of are, are open. They're open thinkers. They, they, maybe they believe in certain things that are, um, you know, unusual to us and, and maybe mystical. And they don't really, you know, maybe they're on the outside. They're on the fringe. Those people will kind of endure in their mind. And they don't necessarily need to get hit with burden after burden. I don't know. It's and then at some point, you know. I mean, you just described yourself and, and probably me a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, no, to a certain extent, I think I think you hit me on the head for sure. Because if yeah. we have if we have faith, you know, we're going to be tormented inside as to what's going on, and not necessarily outside. And you know, it's, um, it's, 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 it's this realm of one side is intellectual. The other side is, is physical. So one side's based on physical experience. The other one is psychological torment. Um, it, the people that go through both, you know, that are possibly have the short end of the stick. I don't know. Well, maybe I don't know if you would see it that way. I would, I would think that. that oh God! As long as it's, as long as your, as your, your test isn't too trying, you know, I, I would say that that's probably uh, you. You come out on the other end, probably maybe the strongest. I mean, there's no, there's no gauging who's stronger than one other. Is once you, once you have upper that kind of perspective, you, you are, you know, you, you are what you are. It's not like there's any any level of that but, but i was know, thinking the same thing i was yeah, i was yeah. thinking well that person yeah. might have an advantage in the end I, yeah I but it, that's what i thought too I was like well god dude shit you've been through you've been through it as long as long as it doesn't freaking break you down to the point where it's not worth it but it, now I mean, what, now, what, is, maybe, and also what is worth it but you know well maybe that's where um that's where some of my teachings come into play another way to recreate that is as i as i tell people make your life harder so if you do have faith and you are ready to endure now if you can add in the pain part and 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 you know we can't necessarily find pain um but what we can do is find difficulty that is painful and so 
if we've never woken up early, if we've never worked out as hard as we could, if, if, if we've never just gone up to our haters and embraced them as friends, if we haven't done that, it's time to start adding those into your routine because um, they haven't, they're not forcing themselves upon you. So perhaps we can excel growth with these teachings. And I guess that's what we try to do, excel growth. Exactly. And I, th I think you just touched on the most important part of that aspect, which is also the most difficult initial starting point. You know, it, for, for, I, th I think for you and I at this point, we look back and say, Why, how can't you? How, how can you not force yourself into those situations? But it, when you first started doing it, it was a daunting task. And I, I, I think it's, a, it's, it, it's very difficult to try to tell people that that is going to be the, uh, the turning point because it's, it's a pretty tall mountain to climb. You know what I mean? Like you look what you went through, you know, and like that, that was, you know, something slapped you in the face. Right. And for me, it was like, I had no choice because I was kind of thrust on the, on the path that I was. Right. But after I look back on it, it seems like, Oh, wow. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't everybody do this? But at the same time, that's the hardest part, you know, and, and talking somebody into that, into starting on that aspect of the path is, off dude it's understanding from our perspective as as teachers is realizing at at, at the, the place that they are how difficult it was because it doesn't seem difficult to me anymore you know what i mean like it's just that's just a, a daily that's your life that's your that's your um uh outlook on how to attack just i mean just day to day and and your goals that you that you're striving for and it's because it it became obvious after it happened but it's very difficult to get people to take that leap right and that's what we that's what we kind of ended on before we took the break um you were saying how do we allow knowledge without learning it and you know i wrote down humility listening observation those are all things we touched on but the, what I love about the Eastern side of philosophy is that we have a cultural example of things that are put in place for thousands and thousands of years to answer these questions. And that's why I always um, lean on mythology. It's like I always lean on historical representations of experience because history repeats itself. And if we know the tools, we just apply them and keep repeating it. And that's culture, that's tradition, and that's mankind as, as I see it. That's time, it's space time. So what they have is Wu Wei. Wu Wei is a principle of applying force with force, all right? In the end, there is no force, right? So that means Krav Magra. That means if something's coming at you, you don't back up. What you do is you move the force and use it to, to, to move yourself forward. It's to act without acting. In jiu-jitsu, it's, it's, it's not to attack, but to use your attacker's force to make your move. And so life is, in a way, the opponent, right? It's the battleground. It's, it's jiu-jitsu. They are, life is acting on you. Life is, in other words, giving you something. And as long as you're not pushing back with force, but using that, that opportunity, then you have uh, movement and you have more elegance than if you're pushing back. 
because life, that force, any force will resist. If it feels like it's being resisted, the young mind, um, the individual, the group, the company, the bank, anything in life, your, your relationships, your children, they will push back if they feel resistance. So what we have to do is absorb and then move, right? It's the art of war. It's to, it's to attack without anyone thinking you're even attacking. And we do that surreptitiously. We do that by using their energy and using life's opportunities. And in the, in the beginning, we, we, we don't learn, we, we don't have an easy time because we resist. We, we add resistance to force and we're pushing back. Um, but if we can absorb impact and become a sponge, right? And be open, right? That's Wu Wei. And, mm -hmm. and in jujitsu, it's, it's, it's often a sign of, of what level you're at because if you can see someone getting frustrated, you know, if you're in a choke, the first response is to, to get someone's arms off of your neck. However, if you embrace the fact that you're being choked and then slowly push their arm outside of your neck and just squeeze underneath it, there's, there's nothing there to choke. And you didn't push away from their arm. You, you, you used their force and you stay calm throughout. And a lot of times it may feel like you're restricted, but it's not actually the end. It's not actually the final, the final squeeze. There's more to go. And if you're patient, I was just in, I was just in a role the other day with someone and they had me in a famous a lock called the triangle, right? So their legs were wrapped around my neck and they missed a, a, a key piece of the move. And I could tell because I was calm and I said, all right, this is the third time they've tried this. They like this move. It's, it's typical for them. So I said, let's see it. Go ahead. My arm is up here. Their legs are wrapped around my neck. Now, the failure point here is my arm is supposed to be here so that my own, my own arm is choking me in the triangle because their legs, and this is skinny guy, so his legs are kind of small. And I got a big neck here, and it takes a lot to choke it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, if you think this is the end, I'm just going to relax right here, and I can still breathe, so I'm not actually being choked. And so they apply pressure, they, they're distracted, they go into their own world, right? They go into ego, they have the win, and then whoop, <laughs> force, and then counter force. And if, if we can use Wu Wei and Jiu Jitsu, and if we can use force to our benefit and not resist, we can create opportunity where there was once challenge. That's perfectly put. I don't think that process, especially that mental process, comes without the experience, though. So, right. Um, That's why everyone yeah. do jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the way, yeah, that that story alone makes me never want to. <laughs> That's oh, good. Man, it's so much fun. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean. God, I'm living vicariously through you. I love it. <laughs> I, I really don't want to cut this short, guys, but I do have to bounce. Um, I love it. All right. Yeah, guys, let me know the next time we can do it. Give, give me a schedule mm -hmm. that, that makes sense for you guys, and I'll, I'll try to – I want to do this again sooner than later. All right. Great.
Thank you, brother. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Oh, thank you, guys.